Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm walking through downtown San Jose holding a pizza, which I'll hopefully give to a homeless person. I'm with Mark Ogden, who is the Northwest correspondent for the Daily Telegraph. Mark has been a guest on the podcast before. He's very well respected, covers Manchester United and another team in Manchester, no, not FC United. And he has been a United fan. He's um, when he was a younger lad, he used to go to games. He used to go to a lot of Rochdale games as well. Um, and he's from Rochdale, but less about me. Thanks for joining us, Mark. No problem, Andy. How are you doing? Well, if this music doesn't get too loud, I think people will be able to hear what we're talking about. We're on the United pre-season tour. We've been in Seattle, been in San Francisco. We're now in San Jose. How has it gone this, this year? It seems to be a little bit more low-key than last year. Yeah, it's a lot more low-key this year. It's, uh, I think the football's taken over again, which um, you know a lot of people will be quite happy about. But uh, in a strange kind of sense, these summer tours are all about the football and the off-field stuff. It's about what you, it's when you really see how big the club is. And I remember being with uh, United and the Sir Alex, and you'd be in hotel lobbies, and there'd be people, certainly people like Career, sleeping, and you know basically sleeping bags. You don't wait for Gson Park. So in a, in a way, the summer tours are a real kind of example of what United means to people across the globe. So this year it's been really kind of stripped back and it's, um, I said to somebody earlier, it's like being back in 2006 in Cape Town and Johannesburg, one of those really kind of, you know, really low-key summer tours. So the football has been the focus, but uh, I suppose all, all that means is that it's another victory for Lou Van Gaal in terms of he's got another thing that he wants when the season starts. If it doesn't go well, he'll be reminded that everything you wanted, Louis, you've got. So, you know... The, the price to pay is uh, delivered on the pitch. There isn't the hysteria, not just of the Asian tours and hundreds of people waiting in hotel lobbies with banners for Nicky Butt or Terry Cook, but even from previous US tours, there was a game the other night in San Jose and the stadium wasn't full and the stadium only held 18,000 people. Do you think United's popularity is dimming here or do you think they've just been coming back? Um, uh, United were here last year, they're here in... Uh, 2011 when they played Barca have they just been coming so many times or are the American audience thinking well pre-season games are not actually that good I think it comes to the wrong place I was out with a mate of mine in San Francisco on uh, on Wednesday night and he lives over here he's a, he's a, he's a Scottish guy but he's a big Celtic fan and he knows you know he knows the country is a sporting country and he says that he, he claims the real reason the game in Barclay was moved down to San Jose was because it wasn't because that Louis Van Gaal wanted to move the it was a, it was a ticket thing it was I've heard that a 60,000 seat stadium they couldn't sell tickets so yeah. Northern California is not really a hotbed for, for soccer you know that San Jose Earthquakes are the, are the MLS team and they're not very well very well supported so you know if United had gone down to if they'd gone down to LA and played the Galaxy or if they'd gone up to like Michigan where they played last year where there's a real big kind of football following they'd be filling the stadiums but I just think they'd pick the wrong places you know San Francisco is it's a unique city, really. It's you know, in terms of, there's not really a big immigrant population, so it's all about the NFL and the NBA. So I just think they pick the wrong places, but that that may again be a Van Halen. You know, in Seattle last week, the stadium was virtually full, and I'm sure if they played the Sounders, it would have been full. The media access has been quite good for the journalists who've travelled over. United have been very efficient and put players up to speak. And certainly, in my experience, is that one thing that you found as well? Yeah, they've been really good. I mean. 
I don't think there's any player that, that, that we have. Just describe the car in front of us at this traffic light. It's, it's probably like the 18 van in uh, it, with a, the red stripe across it rather than down the side of it, and uh, uh, with, the, with the pickup at the back. It's an alloys, yeah. It's uh, yeah. I, I think I better stop though before I start saying something I shouldn't. You could describe that lady who's walking past if you want instead. Sorry, we're getting. I'll leave, we're getting I'll leave that to you, Andy. We're, we're getting distracted here. We're talking about football transfers. Um, the transfer season is open in case you didn't know it um, one look at social media and you see the absolute madness the, how do you read it when I call them transfer junkies people who are utterly obsessed by who the football team they support might be signing and I see signs of impatience when those players aren't signed when players join it calms it for a few days before there are demands to sign even more players it has always been like this in so much as I can remember 96, the clamour for Alan Shearer and is he coming, is he not coming, but social media has taken it on a new, on, onto a new level. Yeah, I think as well, you know, the summertime, certainly, you know, last two weeks in May, June, July, nothing really happens and if you're a football fan, you don't want to watch Wimbledon, you don't want to watch the cricket, you want to know who your team's signing and there's nothing else really to keep fans kind of occupied, so it just gets a real focus on the transfers and... You know, over the years, nothing's really ever happened in June, you know, and even in the other weeks of July. I mean, I remember the Tevez signing back in 2007. That didn't really start happening until the end of July, when I was on, I was, I was on tour in, uh, in the Far East. I was in Macau and it was all kicking off. So there's got a six-week period where nothing usually happens, but people are desperate for some news, and that's the hardest time of year to get it right because agents, managers, players are trying to put out false messages to get people interested. And, you know, people on Twitter don't kind of understand the nuances that... It might be right on a Monday, but it might be wrong on a Tuesday. Whenever you write on a Monday, then things change, you know, things change all the time. So, uh, you know, fans have just got to be a bit more patient, really, and a bit more realistic. But I know it's June and July and they're desperate for news. With United, the four signings have been made so far. There's talk of there being more signings. The club are serious about there being more signings, and there's, there'll be some outgoings as well, I'm sure. How do you read it at the moment? Do you think United are looking for a striker to go with the four signings that have come in and, and a central defender? It's certainly said that they're serious about signing Sergio Ramos, but I think a little bit of that is the De Gea factor as well. Yeah, I just, I'm not sure they've been they're looking for a striker, I think they're looking for a forward, and I think the yeah. distinction is that a centre forward, probably not, but a, a guy could play across the front is somebody. So Pedro's the obvious one. Yeah available at a good price proven record he's keen to come he is so you know I think that's that's one that will hopefully progress because I'm sure for United and for the Premier League Pedro would be a good signing I keep getting told by people who are close to Robert Lewandowski that that's Van Hal's you know ideal centre forward if you could get him I don't think you can get him I don't think United or Van Hal think they can get him but what I've been told is that Lewandowski earns um, 8 million pounds sorry 8 million euros a year yeah and he saw that Van Persie was on £12 million a year and yeah. he, he just thinks that, well, I've won everything I can win in Germany. Yeah. I can get a lot more money in, in England or Spain. So, And, it, and he's it, watched the pound against the euro exchange rate in the last four months. Absolutely, well. yeah. 30%. Now, I'm, I'm told he would never do Raheem Sterling, but if United knocking on the door not hard enough, something might happen. But I just think, having got Schweinsteiger, I just think there's no chance that Bayern United another one goes. So. But in terms of the centre-half, yeah, they need one. Um, I think we'll find that out again. You know, when they play Barcelona, it's probably going to happen the Barcelona game. But you know, Luis Suarez against Chris Smalling, Phil Jones—that that could be a reality in the Champions League next season. So I think that explains that United need somebody like Ramos or 
John Terry, dare I say, somebody who's kind of been there, seen it, done it. And we'll, you know, we'll go in a game against a Luis Suarez and Messi or Ronaldo, thinking, I'm on a par with you. And I, I, for all the progress that Phil Jones and Chris Smalling made last year, th- there's no way they can say that. And now they can Marcus Rojo or Johnny Evans. So that's why they need a centre half that's been there and done it, because they're going to play against some serious centre forwards next year. We're going to bring you podcasts this year from wherever Manchester United play. And I'm sure we'll be stood outside Upton Park or we'll be at a stadium in Turkey and the noises in the background will be self-explanatory. I need to explain what's happening here because we're at a busy intersection in downtown San Jose. I've never seen so many big cars. People obviously don't feel that a Ford Fiesta will suffice here. All the cars have got huge alloy wheels. The, The music's blaring. Uh, they've got signage on them and it's like they're going up and down to show off their, their wares. I think we're sort of um, bystanders to some sort of parade where, some sort of courtship parade where girls see these guys going past in big cars, but it's... It's uh, like Dean's going on Friday night, Andy. It's like know. Dean's gate when yeah. Teddy Sheringham bought his flash car all, all of those years ago. With Pedro, we had... Um, Graham Hunter on this podcast on the way back from San Sebastian at the end of um, start of November 2013 and Graham and I both spoke to Pedro many times he's a good lad, he's a very down to earth lad, he doesn't speak English he lives in a very working class area we've got a plane going overhead now for good measure um, he's got a dog called Ronaldo and he's seen his first team opportunities diminish and I think he scored 11 goals last season and he scored nearly 30 goals in one of his seasons and I've asked him the question directly where's your future and Pedro has always been well I've got a contract here he's professional he says what he needs to say but he's an excellent player he can play left he can play right he even played as a fullback in training for the Spanish national team before Euro 2012 as an emergency in case uh, Jordi Alba Uh, or Arbeloa was injured so I think he's got the right temperament to do well I think he's physically he'll be fine in England and his buyout clause given the quality that he's got it seems quite low 22 million euros 15 million pounds it's nothing it's the perfect deal for United because like you say he's he's versatile as well he's uh, you know he can play two or three positions across the front he he knows about the Champions League you know he scored against United in the Champions League final so he's Again, he's been there and done it, and uh, I just think he'll offer something that United need, that variety, and just take the pressure off Rooney a bit, because I do worry about a season that, you know, everything's kind of on Rooney's shoulders. You know, he's 29 now, he's 30 in October, and he's, uh, he's, he's coming on the back of his worst season in front of the goal, and I don't think he's got that burst of pace. He's, he's never been Ronaldo quick, or Kinchelski's quick, Rooney, but he's, um, he had a bit of a zip, but I, I don't see him having that anymore, and I think, you know... <laughs> We've had two games so far on tour, you know, prior to the Barcelona game. He's played 45 minutes in each against pretty average opposition. He's not had a sniff of a goal. So, what's it going to be like against the Chelsea's, the Man City's? He'll always score goals, really, but I don't know. I think it's a gamble, you know, expecting really to score 20, 30 goals a season when we all know that, you know, he, he misses games and. It's just a big, big thing. And even if Rooney scores 30 goals a season, he's approaching 30, you need to start looking ahead to the future. and that, that times now, you know, all the big clubs in Europe, they've got, they've got top, top strikers. You know, City have got Aguero, Chelsea have got Costa, Barcelona have got three super strikers, Madrid have got Ronaldo, Benzema, Bayern have got Lewandowski, Muller. You know, that, that's where tropes are won these days. It's won with these strikers, and 
I'm sorry, but if Man United strike for this year, Wayne Rooney, James Wilson, Javier Hernandez, and Memphis Depay, well, they're not going to win anything. United scored fewer goals last season than they did the previous season when they finished seventh. Falcao didn't work out. Di Maria has not worked out thus far, though, 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 though that could change. Um, they need someone to, to score goals, to score, to score a lot of goals. Yeah, I mean, you look back to the Van Nistelrooy days and Rude Van Nistelrooy scored a lot of goals, but United didn't win a lot in that time, so yeah. there's a danger of you know, placing too much emphasis on one guy. But you know, and, and Van Persie, obviously. With... Absolutely, yeah. That, that worked great that season, but him, him and Wayne didn't really, didn't really hit, hit it off, I don't think, <laughs> apart from that goal against Villa. But, you know, United need that variety, and you're never going to get the treble situation when you've got four, four great strikers who are kind of, you know, complement each other. But they need something. They, they need a, they need something with a bit of pace, a bit of presence, and reliability. They, they need a 25-year-old striker who can be guaranteed to play 40 games a season, score 20 goals, and just be be the guy. You know, because they haven't got that, and you know, without that, they're going to struggle to win things. What do you think success will be for Manchester United this season? Louis van Gaal today in the press conference said um, our aim is not to win the Champions League but to come close to winning it and his English is imperfect but the gist of what he's saying is and what he said several times is he knows he has to improve on last season he knows Manchester United need to challenge for trophies a repeater last year will not be good enough No, I don't think you can nail down one particular target and say that's what they need to do I think it's I think it's, it's kind of a multi-layered thing. I mean, the way I look at it, they've, got to, they've got to finish in the top two and get to the last eight of the Champions League or get knocked out by Barcelona in the last 16. But they also have to win a trophy. So, you know, if they win the League Cup or the, the FA Cup and finish third or fourth and crash out of the group stage, for me, that'll be a failure for Van Gaal. So, he's got, he's got to make progress in every single competition he's in. He's got to do better. I think if United finish second this year, that would be an improvement. And the cement entertaining football. Yeah. Because yeah, a lot absolutely. of the games last year were, 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 were dull. They were desperately dull, but, you know, there were some games you sat there thinking, is anything going to happen here? But, you know, in, in Van Gaal's defence, it was the same under the David Moyes regime. And for the two seasons prior to that under Fergie, yeah. certainly early past the season, they were terrible. You know, yeah. there were games against Reading, Sunderland, which there was no entertainment whatsoever. So there's obviously this kind of uh, roast into spectacles looking at the last year of Fergie because they won the league. But people can't forget how how at times that team struggled to entertain and struggled to, to convince. It's, it's a long time since the days of Giggs and Kinchelskis and the trouble winning team. You're talking a different era, but yeah, the, the entertainment level has, has gone down dramatically. It needs to come back up again. Do you think Van Gaal will get it right at Manchester United? Um, uh, I've got my doubts. Yeah. I, 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 I've got my I, I think, you know, he's put the club on an even keel and he's, he, he's put them back into a situation where they're ready to challenge, but I do wonder if he's if his time is gone and if he's you know if he's yesterday's man and I, I, I don't know I, I'm not sure whether you know I, th- I think Schweinsteiger is a good signing for the here and now but Schneiderlin for me is a better one because he's, he's the future but I do wonder whether Van Gaal you know if pushing him to shove against in a tight race with Mourinho or whether he's just he's just too stubborn he's too rigid in his tactics I don't, I, I don't see him you know even Fergie in his days was stubborn but he, he would change things when he had to and I think Van Gaal's stubbornness might ultimately be his downfall. I wonder whether the players buying into Van Gaal, and that might seem like a negative comment and going against the grain when the mood is one of optimism pre-season with new signings, but I just see signs that I'm not convinced that all of them think um, he, he is the man, but then these are people who've played under Sir Alex Ferguson, maybe they're making comparisons, maybe footballers, 
always doubt the manager because that's what footballers do because it shifts blame away from themselves and if Manchester United are winning games and are at the top of the league doubts are unlikely to surface but if United are a seventh after 10 games having spent a load of money again and I do I'm pretty optimistic about him I do think he will improve upon last season but I'm not entirely convinced by him no I think um, I don't think it's any great kind of secret that the, play, the group of players that do seem to struggle with Van Gaal are the, the st- Spanish stroke Latin players you know that's, that seems to be the kind of group that find it difficult and I was speaking to Barcelona have been in San Francisco this week and I've, I've been up there a couple of times to the team all the time I was speaking to somebody in the Barca camp who, who was there under Van Gaal and uh, we were having a chat about how things were going at United and how um, how basically as I just said the Spanish and Latin players have struggled with him and he said well he, just, he smiled and said yeah we had a similar problem when, we, when he was at Barcelona he said but uh, Luis Enrique had a real struggle with him at the start but but you speak to Luis Enrique now and he, he says you know Van Gaal was great for me and he said it's only when Van Gaal leaves the place and people think actually it was not bad at all I think if you're in the eye of the storm with Van Gaal he can be a, a nightmare to deal with he's so you know desperate for people to follow his letter of the law but I think when people move on and look back and realise that actually he does know what he's doing but it's about the here and now is it? it's not about five years it, you know if, if certain players in five years sound like oh yeah he was alright it's too late then I interviewed Luis Enrique two years ago when he was unemployed at his house and he had no idea how the next couple of years would, would shape would, would, would pan out and one of the questions was you've played under seven or eight managers with a very high reputation Van Gaal Bobby Robson was another one which ones stand out and why and he picked Louis Van Gaal out as the manager he'd learned the most from for better and for worse so now his Barca manager is going to tilt it more towards the complimentary because that's what managers do about their peers but you sense that there was some absolute humdinging rows and I know for a fact that Valdez and Van Gaal never mind now when he were at Barcelona, arguments were happening all the time in training. And Van, Van Valdez was standing up to him. And the players used to laugh about it because they had these legendary fights. And yet, he used him as his goalkeeper. I just don't think that Valdez is now seen as the answer to Manchester United's goalkeeping issues. I'm, I'm certain he wants him out of the club. Yeah, it's funny that because I was speaking to somebody quite close to Valdez last week and I said, look, what's he going to do? And he said, yeah, he said, you know, he said, he might stick around because... He still thinks he's got a chance because he knows Van Gaal. He said yeah. he's, he's always had rows with him. So yeah. Valdez thinks that he'll come back from the tour and, and you know, they'll have a bit of a rapprochement and just get on with it. And you know, we know that footballers can do that. You know, two years ago we thought Wayne Rooney was leaving the club. So yeah, that's Wayne Rooney. This is Victor Valdez. And, you know, with all due respect to Victor Valdez, in terms of Man United, he's not that. He's not as big a deal as Wayne Rooney. So. No. You know, I think Valdez might stay. As it stands, Van Gaal wants him out the door and yeah. they're doing what they can to get rid of him. But I wouldn't be surprised if by September the 2nd, Valdez is still there and he's, he's actually playing games because they've been Van Gaal have buried the hatchet. They've got a history and, you know, maybe it's a love-hate thing, but when they get on, they get on great. The person who knows Valdez very well said to me today, um, they, are, they are two balls in the same pen, which I thought was a, a, a quite apt description. But we're going to head off soon because the noise level is, is increasing here. United start the season against uh, Tottenham at Old Trafford. How important is it that they got off to a winning start especially after last year losing at home to, to Swansea but also having a really poor start to the season. I think after five games United were 10th in the league a repeat of that is going to be a massive disadvantage this year. 
Yeah, I'll just wait till the Dukes of Hazard goal pass if I uh, yeah. kind of uh, answer that question. Just hang on a minute. We can hear whatever this is. It's a motorbike. That's, it's a group of uh, Hell's Angels going past us. A half a dozen Hell's Angels with very shiny motorbikes. I'd like to see them turn up outside Anfield ten minutes after after the final whistle. Sorry. Never mind them. Will United start the season well? Um, I think um, I think it's even more important this time because um, there we go. I think he's uh, there we go. What would you do if Van Hal was on the back of one of their motorbikes? I wouldn't be stunned. I'd see where Giggsy was and then I'd uh, see who was driving. Uh, who will, st will they start the season? Well, listen, I think it's, it's twice important this time because. Tottenham are a rival for top six and I think at the start of the season you have to look at your, your top six rivals so if they beat Tottenham they hurt a rival and they get the the confidence that comes from that you know, it's just a double-edged sword if they lose we're, we're into crisis already because you know it's Villa away on the Friday night a tough place to go to Champions League qualifier so it's, it's, it's a massive thing that they start the season well um, and I think you know I think they will because home game against Spurs I imagine Hugo Lloris is struggling for that game, so it's a chance to take, and it's all about making a good start. I don't think you can. We'll, we'll join you, um, hopefully, further on in the season, Mark. It's been great to have you, and hopefully next time we won't be stood in the middle of a wacky racers um, track. Finally, make a prediction. Where will Manchester United finish this year, and where will Manchester City finish? Uh, Jesus. Um, I think United will finish third, and I think City will finish... Fourth! Uh, next to United somewhere third or second or fourth thanks for your time no problem Manchester United have just beaten Barcelona 3-1 in Santa Clara the huge 68,000 crowd are walking away from the stadium which is only a year old and it will stage the Super Bowl next year the car lots seem to spread for miles there were big traffic problems before the game and I'm watching fans cross over a river with a pitiful amount of water in it. As California is officially in drought. And that's evident. You can see the, uh, the, the hills around the urban areas. They were once green and now they're, they're brown and, and yellow. I've just got into a lift with Mark Ogden. Um, uh, what did you make of United's 3-1 win, Mark? I thought it was uh, encouraging. You know, I thought De Gea played really well banish any doubts people might have about his uh, focus and commitment. Rooney scored his, his first goal of the pre-season, which again is a big thing. I, I just thought they looked like a bit of a unit today. You know, Blint, for all his lack of pace, he does read the game very well at centre-half, and he did well. And, yeah, it's very promising, very promising. Blind made a very good interception. Um, Ashley Young and Luke Shaw seemed to do well on the left. Damian played well, though he gave the ball away a few times in, in the first half. But... We're not going to get too carried away because United beat Real Madrid a year ago, didn't they, in Michigan, and then lost the opening game of the season against Swansea, but it's definitely encouraging. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I was one of the few, one of those that kind of fell for it a bit last year. They, yeah, I did. they beat Madrid and they won against Liverpool as well. And I'm thinking that, you know, he's cracked the code and it was uh, it was slightly different, but uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. I mean, it's, you know, that Madrid side had Bale and Ronaldo, so it wasn't a, a part time team. So it's, uh, we'll see. I mean, the. The only slight concern is that they might be a bit undercut before the Spurs game. But and by that you mean that there's there's ten days between the final friendly and the opening game against Tottenham. Yeah, and you know people like Fellaini today have played the first thirty minutes. So you know Fellaini might end up playing 
no more than 90 minutes before the season starts. Obviously, he's suspended for the start of the season, but uh, it would be slightly concerning if, uh, if the arrival at the Spurs game does not quite match fit. So that's the, that's the big issue to resolve. Thank you for your time and, uh, and have a safe trip to... Uh... After the game, I spoke to various United players, but also a lot of people from Barcelona because I do a lot of writing about Barcelona. And it's quite interesting in conversations with people from Barca how much the travel between the stadiums has been an issue to them. And when one of the people from there was telling me that, I thought, Van Aal's really got this right here. So leaving the stadium yesterday took two hours to do a 40-mile drive. And Van Gaal has got United right by the training centres, uh, right by the stadiums, to cut out the problems that he had last year when United took over two hours to drive from Beverly Hills to Pasadena for a training session. Barca clearly haven't thought that deeply into it. So it is a problem among their players that there is so much travel. Anyway, after the game, first we saw Luis Enrique. Um, he's a really impressive character, Enrique. He's a, I loved him as a player, loved him as a manager, really like him as a person and I've been fortunate to um, interview him at his house even for a couple of hours. He's a proper football man. He's got a passion for football, which obviously you would expect because he's a football manager. But when he finished playing, he went off by himself. He travelled around the world watching the big derby games. He stood on the cop at Anfield. He went to Ibrox. He ran in mental road races. He's, he's a great human being. And he was complimentary about United and about Van Gaal. Although, interestingly, when I spoke to him two years ago and he was unemployed, one of the questions was, which managers did you learn the most from? Because he played under eight top-class managers, including Bobby Robson. And he said, I learned more from Van Gaal than anybody else. Learned more what to do and what not to do. Of course, now he's the Barca manager, he's far more complimentary. And it was really nice to see Van Gaal um, coming into contact with members of Barca's staff who've been there for years, such as Chemi Therese, the international press officer who translated for Bobby Robson, worked with Jose Mourinho. And Van Gaal saw him, gave him a big hug, talked about the time that they worked together. And I heard Van Gaal say, remember that first season? That was his first season in Catalonia when Barca won the league. And it's good to see old friends or even, you know, when you see Andres Iniesta and Wayne Rooney see each other, they don't know each other, they can't speak in the same language, they're always asked about each other and suddenly they're in a tunnel opposite each other. And it's great to see the interaction, the, the respect that they clearly have, uh, they shake hands and it doesn't really go beyond that. They've got no time to socialise after the game that they're off back to the hotels. But after the game, once Luis Enrique had spoken... Lou Van Gaal spoke to the media as well and we managed to record it. I was out speaking to players in the mix zone but Darren Maloney, who's United We Stand writer, was at the stadium and he recorded this uh, from Van Gaal. There is some Spanish translation so allow for that but I still think it's worth interesting. One question each please. First question here, the gentleman in the black blazer right there. Mr. Van Gaal, how confident do you feel going into the season that you now have every position covered in the case of in the injuries that will occur in the season? How confident are you with the players that you have kind of for backups after today's game? 
¿Qué tanta confianza tiene usted en ahora que tienen todos los, los puestos en cancha cubiertos? En caso de lesiones, ¿qué tanto qué tanta confianza tiene usted logro de hoy en el equipo? Yes, uh, I have to say what uh, what I have explained already in many uh, press conferences is uh, the balance of the team, and I think uh, what you are also saying in your question that is the most important thing because last year we have won also uh, uh, from the uh, Champions uh, League winner Real Madrid at that time, and now we win uh, against Barcelona, so it is possible, but. We have also a little bit luck, uh, three balls on the post, uh, but I was pleased with our performance and uh, also in the second half when the youngsters uh, came in, you saw uh, a spirit in our team and uh, also I think we have uh, the same amount of chances created as Barcelona, so uh, that I liked the most of today. Yo creo que lo, lo que está preguntando es más o menos lo que he explicado como el balance del equipo. Eso es lo más importante. El año pasado vimos como le ganamos a Real Madrid, también el campeón de Europa. Este año lo hicimos otra vez hoy contra Barcelona. Eso muestra que sí es posible. Obviamente sí tuvimos suerte con tres eh, tiros al palo. Este, pero sobre todo me gustó la actuación del equipo, especialmente el segundo tiempo cuando entraron los jóvenes. Porque ellos mostraron un espíritu. Y yo creo que tuvimos igual de, de oportunidades, iguales oportunidades de Barcelona y sobre todo estoy contento. Okay, actually in the back row, the glasses right there. Yep. Señor Vandal, eh, preguntar en castellano, eh, me la traducción. ¿Hasta qué punto la figura de David De Gea es imprescindible para usted a estas alturas de, de verano? Gracias. To what point is David De Gea untouchable right now uh, in his pre-season to the team? Now you have seen him already uh, in our first half or the first 60 minutes. He, uh, in, in spite of uh, his injury, he doesn't train uh, for uh, one week. He can show uh, his quality already in this game. And he has uh, showed uh, his quality, I think. Because the first uh, chance uh, was for Barcelona. And when you stop the first chance, then, then uh, you can uh, score the first goal, what we have done also. And that uh, is always a difference in the game. Uh, yes, of course, uh, I, I do hope that uh, the Gea shall stay. But in this world of football, you never know. Obviamente no ha podido entrenar a 100% debido a su lesión, pero entre los primeros minutos mostró su, su cualidad. Eh, hizo la primera atajada que luego nos, nos dejó marcar el primer tiempo y, y eso fue la diferencia en el partido. Personalmente espero que se quede, pero en el fútbol nunca se sabe. In the three games that they've played together so far, how do you how do you feel they've interacted? They both scored. How do you feel they've played? Tal vez ha sido una sorpresa poner a Lepay como número 10 detrás de Rooney. ¿Cómo cómo ve la conexión entre los dos? Considerando obviamente que que los dos han marcado. Yes, 
I, I think they try uh, to do their utmost best to uh, look for, for each other. And sometimes I think too much. <laughs> and uh, 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 it should be better uh, when we have a, a wider uh, orientation. But uh, I think uh, they have always a threat. Uh, and, and that's uh, very important. I think uh, Barcelona could not cope with the threat of uh, the Pai and, uh, and, and, and uh, Rooney, but I, I have to say uh, that Adnan was also a, a big threat uh, for them uh, in the 30 minutes that he played as a striker. So uh, that's good to see. Bueno, yo creo que ellos están tratando de, de hacer lo mejor en cuanto a buscarse con, con la pelota. A veces demasiado, a veces se buscan demasiado. Este, pero sobre todo, yo creo que, que sí, los dos son, eran amenazas para otro equipo, constantes. Y Barça tuvo problemas en, 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 en contenerlos. Y, pero también debo mencionar también eh, Art en uh, Genocide, también. Eh, también amenazó y era un problema para la defensa de Barcelona y sobre todo eso es muy bueno. So, Louis, you were a bit criticizing the team that came in the second half against San Jose. Um, how did you feel like those players respond when they came in after 60 minutes tonight? And did you tell them anything special? Usted criticó los jugadores que entraron en el segundo tiempo otro día en San Jose. ¿Cómo cómo ve cómo considero cómo jugaron esos jugadores hoy en el partido? Yes, I I was very uh, happy with the reaction of the youngsters because they were more aggressive and that I want always uh, more defending uh, forwards but okay uh, sometimes you make them the wrong choices and you step in and then you are uh, are always uh, the loser but that is also the use but it was a, a, a team with a spirit uh, we created chances he scored two goals with the with the youngsters, so I'm very happy. Sí, yo estaba yo estaba muy contento con la reacción de esos jugadores que fueron más agresivos, como siempre siempre pido, y a veces veces defienden, a veces se se equivocan, pero eso es normal. Son jóvenes, sobre todo el equipo. Los jóvenes mostraron mucho espíritu, un equipo con espíritu. Segundo tiempo marcaron dos goles, y por eso estoy contento. Uh, Louis, did any of your uh, younger players uh, particularly impress you uh, in the second half? I think that uh, Adnan Yadusai uh, was uh, very good because he gives uh, always an option for his midfielders and defenders. He scored a, a wonderful goal. And... Uh, I think that's always uh, important, and also he has to uh, fight with uh, two defenders, but he did it well. But it was more easy with, uh, for him against uh, uh, the defense without PK. Janice, I think he played very well. Siempre era una opción para los defensas también para la media cancha para sus pases, marcó un gol. Y sobre todo yo creo que era un factor importante. También tuvo que jugar contra dos defensas siempre. Eh, aunque debo decir que era más fácil jugar contra una defensa sin Gerard Piquet. No, no. Hi, Mr. Randall. Um, I've been talking to a lot of local United fans. 
who get up at 4 a.m. on weekends to watch United games, who sometimes take off work for Champions League games and weekday games. Um, what's it like getting to know uh, these type of fans who, who get up at, or early in the morning, who take off work to watch and support the team? He hablado con muchos fanáticos de aquí que, que se levantan a las 3 de la mañana, 4 de la mañana para ver partidos. A veces no era trabajo para ver partidos de la Champions. ¿Cómo es conocer a esos fanáticos de aquí en persona? Yes, I've seen it already uh, last year. Last year we played five matches here and we had 300,000 spectators in two weeks. And uh, when you see uh, the amount of people in front of our hotel waiting for one day to only see the players and and uh, now I try to uh, give uh, signatures and pictures and and so on but it is uh, for human being not always uh, possible to do that because we have also a very strict schedule from uh, training eating sleeping training meeting and so on so it is not so easy uh, for, the, for the professional players to uh, respond uh, to uh, these fanatic uh, supporters. But it is great to see, uh, because Barcelona is the U European Champions League winner, but you see more red shirts than, than the Barcelona shirts. So that is fantastic to see. Lo dice el año pasado, jugamos cinco partidos aquí y más de 300 miles de aficionados presenciaron de sus partidos en dos semanas. Eh, hemos visto una cantidad increíble de fanáticos fuera de nuestro hotel, esperando horas o esperando todo un día ver un jugador. Eh, yo trato de dar todo por tomar fotos cuando, cuando puedo, pero a veces no es siempre posible porque tenemos la apretada con dormir. <coughs> Uh, dormir, entrenar, jugar. Pero no es fácil para poder responder a tantos fanáticos, pero para nosotros es muy grato ver esos fanáticos y hoy ver contra Barcelona, el campeón de Europa, más camisetas de Europa. Ok, dos más preguntas para Mark. Yes. Uh, you, you mentioned last year you, that there were five games all over the, the country. You made, you've been here all week. You, you chose make the choice to stay in the Bay Area, be here all week. Um, I was wondering if you thought you'd received any benefits from that that you saw today. Was your, was your form today uh, better because we're here all week? And what will you take away from your week here in the San Francisco Bay Area? What, what will you take away from this, the two games and, and, your, and your, practice, your training here? Yeah, maybe I, I have uh, to respond to the question in a different way. We have already uh, changed a lot of things uh, in relationship to this tour. Um, in the last uh, tour we were at the other coast. It's, it's uh, more heat, more humidity. So that is a negative point. Now we are at this coast, but it is also hot, I think. But it was it was not a normal uh, uh, heat. I, I, I have heard of the uh, people of, of here. Uh, we have only two base camps, 
that's also different. Last year we had to fly and fly and fly in different uh, time schedules. Now we have uh, had in two weeks the same time schedule. We have uh, better fa facilities in, in Seattle Sounders. We had a fantastic uh, place to train. And, and, and the facilities there were, were, were superb. Uh, now we have uh, uh, found uh, also fantastic facilities uh, in Avaya Stadium, but also in uh, Stanford University. We shall train there Monday two times. So I think uh, overall uh, we have now a better uh, training camp. But we have won uh, last year also every uh, and it doesn't say anything because we lost, or we lose the first uh, match against Walter City, and that's why I have said uh, the whole tour, the most important game is not against Barcelona, Paris Saint Germain, or Club America, but against Tottenham Hotspur. Sí, hemos visto, bueno, tengo que responder de una manera diferente. Este, hemos cambiado unas cosas de la gira. Eh, el año pasado nos quedamos, eh, nos volamos mucho en unos lugares de mucho calor, humedad, era muy negativo. Bueno, hemos visto calor también aquí, pero no es tan normal, obviamente por todo normal. Hemos hecho una vez, nada más este año, dos campamentos, dos concentraciones, y en vez de volar, volar, hemos, nos hemos quedado en esta, esta misma zona, costa, y hemos tenido facilidades increíbles como Seattle y también aquí en Amaya y, y Stanford, donde vamos a entrenar el lunes y sobre todo ha sido muy, muy, muy positivo, esta concentración ha sido muy, muy, mucho mejor pero últimamente ganamos, el año pasado ganamos el, el torneo y luego perdimos contra Juan City para empezar el, el, la liga entonces para nosotros yo he dicho que el partido más importante no son estos pero contra Tottenham para empezar la, la primera Ok, final question right here Mr. Van Gaal, can you please give us an update about the Bastian Schweinsteiger's injury and will you be ready for the Tottenham game? Uh, that I don't know because he has to prove himself. Yeah. Every player has to prove himself, and also Bastian Schweinsteiger. But he shall play against Paris Saint Germain, I expect. So uh, uh, let's hope that he convinces me. Bueno, no sé, él necesita probar su calidad, pero yo espero verlo contra PSG y espero que me convenza. So that was Louis Van Hal engaging as ever. And right at the end, just as he was walking off the, the platform where he was speaking on, he was asked about Angel de Maria and said, yeah, he, he wasn't on the plane as scheduled um, and neither was Marcus Rojo. There was a problem there. I was told that three people were supposed to be on that plane from Buenos Aires. Sergio Romero, um, the former AZ goalkeeper, who we understand 
um, is joining Manchester United to be a second choice goalkeeper. Angel de Maria and Marcus Rojo. So let's hope that the travel agents have got a good refund policy for flights between Buenos Aires and, and San Francisco. The de Maria thing is the talking point because he's been linked to Paris Saint-Germain. and We wrote it on the United We Stand board uh, as as early as May the 11th um, that PSG wanted him. They wanted Depay. They felt that Depay's agent had given him the run around a little bit and they wanted Di Maria. And the source for that was an incredibly good one and nothing has changed there. PSG want Di Maria and have got the money to buy him. For United, uh, I don't think they would have sold him if uh, PSG didn't come in for him, but they're probably the only club who can afford to pay what they think he's worth. Barca, if they signed him, would have to pay a £10 million premium because he used to be a Real Madrid player. That's a, a bizarre clause inserted into the contract. And he, he, as we've said many times in United We Stand, and we've put it on the United We Stand message board, he's not been happy. Since March onwards, he was okay up until around March. Uh, he, you know, he didn't speak English. The, the burglary thing—I think people read a little bit too deeply into that. I'm told it wasn't a massive issue. He's clearly a brilliant player, but he was dropped from the team. And if United can get a big fee for him, then that will save face. They can't take a huge loss on him, but if they got a big fee for him, that would save face. There's another smaller factor that the euro and the pound, the exchange rate has twisted by about 20-25% in the last year so that will also affect uh, any deal and it's got the hallmarks of a player who's going it reminds me of being in America in 2004 when Juan Veron um, was going and everyone knew he was going and Sir Alex Ferguson said I'm not talking about that uh, Van Hal does talk a little bit more about it but he still refuses to comment on speculation and that's probably a good thing Anyway, the situation may become clearer before Manchester United play Paris Saint-Germain in Chicago on Wednesday. I will be at that game and we'll do another podcast. We've got some really interesting guests lined up. But until then, thanks for joining us. I'm going to start work on the first United We Stand of the season, which will be out against Tottenham at Old Trafford. So look at subscribing to that if you're not going to buy it at Old Trafford. And give us a few days, we'll get you another podcast. Until then... Goodbye from San Francisco.